You are now listening to the Nick's State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Nick's State of Mind podcast. Uh, we... Did not have an episode last week. I was actually in Chicago. My, my little brother was graduating from uh, basic training from the Navy, so we were there. My plan was to try to do something and see if I could find a good spot where to be quiet and, and, and record, and I, that, that wasn't going to happen. It was, uh, it, it, the walls were thin. You can hear everything. It was one of those hotels, so it was very interesting. It was a, overall a good trip, but it's good to be back. And uh, having another episode for our listeners, and uh, we'll jump right into it. Is the news this week for the Knicks? Uh, a small little signing as the Knicks now have picked up another forward in Noah Vonley. And Chip, um, we'll start with you. What do you think about this addition for the Knicks? Yeah, another like draft lottery kind of send off. You don't. I want to use the word bust with him because they just signed him. But a lot like Mario Hazonia, teams fell out of favor with him. But, uh, yeah, ninth pick in the 2014 draft, Noah Von Light. Um, same draft as Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker, Joel Embiid. Um, he was traded after his rookie season for, for uh, by Charlotte to uh, Portland for Nicholas Batum. Uh, that's not very encouraging. I mean, you know, he's the Knicks are his fourth team already. Uh, he's about to turn 23 years old. This is going to be his uh, fourth season in the league, I believe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this or fifth, this will be his fifth season, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because 14-15 was his first, yeah. So... Yeah, four teams in five seasons. I mean, okay, it's definitely a risk, but I mean, it's, I guess it's partially guaranteed, so it's not really a risk, but it's, it's a guy who people thought he had potential at one point. It's, it's like a Hazonia thing. It's a, a calculated risk because it's a partially guaranteed contract, and it's a guy who he's been traded twice before his 23rd birthday, and you know, he was traded by the Blazers again last year to Chicago. And, you know, but uh, it, it makes sense to me because, um, you know, he's a five-star high school recruit uh, going into Indiana. This is a guy who has had praise heaped on him for so long. And, you know, he just hasn't lived up to it yet. He, you know, he's uh, 231 games played in the league. His uh, career averages are 4.1 points and 4.7 rebounds in 15 and a half minutes. So he's had a, an unremarkable career. But, uh, you know, the Knicks already have, like, probably like what they have with young big men as far as Mitchell Robinson is concerned, you know? So, and then Ennis Cantor, too. But, uh, 
in the absence of Porzingis, I mean. So it's, it's a good risk. I like the risk taking a risk on another young player who has this maybe unlocked his potential. You know, maybe uh, player development, David Fisdale can unlock his potential. Um, and it is not a fully guaranteed deal. So if he's not a guy who can get it done, then you just let him walk. Right. I like the move. I think it's a, it's a good one. Right. And I think by now everybody knows what the Knicks are trying to do here in this offseason is that they're not signing big names. They're not signing anybody from, you know, the, to, for long-term deals. Everything is going to be kind of short, quick contracts. Uh, so, you, you know, it makes sense. Once again, it's a situation where the Knicks are just looking to see – Hey, take a chance on this young guy. Again, he's only 20-something years old. Twenty, I think he's going to be 23 years old this season. Another young guy that, so far, his career hasn't done anything. I mean, has not really had a big season where you go, oh, you know, he, he's moving in the right direction. He's a solid rebounder. Uh, you're not going to get much offense from him. Uh, and, you know, it's nothing to ride home about. It's not a, a very big move, but... It makes sense. Why not give these young guys an opportunity to see if they can stick and land somewhere and, and, and see the guys that you can keep and build around. Uh, and, and when you go after some of these bigger uh, players and guys that you're drafting and all that, it's a situation where you kind of can see, okay, this guy is a fit in our system and can fit around you know, this player or this player. So it, it's something that we're not risking really much anything and didn't reach for him. Now, if this was like a, a three, four-year contract, 30-something million dollars, then this would be a contract that I'd be pretty upset about, and I think a lot of fans would be upset about because it wouldn't make a, a whole lot of sense. But again, it's not even fully guaranteed. Uh, you know, like The Knicks are trying to just make a competitive atmosphere where everybody is competing for something. Nothing's just going to be given to them. I mean, let's face it, there's maybe a few guys in the rotation that already know their role, how many minutes, and everybody else is really going to fight and, and you know, compete for some minutes out there, even at the point guard position with the Knicks and Moutier and um, Neil Aquina and Trey Burke and all that guard combination that we'll be seeing guys battling out. Well, you need a little depth in the big guy department as well. You got, as you mentioned, Mitchell Robertson. Uh, you know, Brzingis obviously going to miss some time. In my opinion should miss probably the whole season, um, and it's it, it's it's one of those things where it makes sense to bring in just to make guys know if, if this guy's outplaying me, I will lose my spot. And another lottery pick that didn't quite work out, but you know, Trey Burke was that last year, and he seemed to show little signs of life. So perhaps that Vonley can do that. Now, one thing that has been a little concerning about the signing, as everybody has kind of talked about, and Chip, I want to get your thought process on it. Everybody wants to see Mitchell Robertson play. Uh, he was very impressive in the Summer League. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. Uh, was one of their focus points on the Summer League and the, one of the guys that stood out to us. And everybody wants to see him out there and play. Some look at it that maybe that Noah Vonley is a guy that uh, can probably cut into... Uh, Mitchell Robertson's minutes, but 
yeah, Chip, do you feel that way? Do you, or do you think, you know, it, it's just a simple situation where it's going to be a competition? It doesn't matter that Von Lee has five years in the league and Mitchell Robinson is a rookie because some think perhaps maybe they're doing this to kind of ease uh, Robinson into a role and early on we might see more Noah Vonley. Or do you think Mitchell Robertson could be the guy to kind of step in and play big minutes right away? No, I think you used a great word there, competition. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be every minute is going to be earned in terms of uh, the preseason. Guys like, look, Mitchell Robinson had a great preseason, but guys like him and Noah Vonley are going to be competing for backup big minutes behind Ennis Cancer. Right. You know, you don't earn rotation minutes in the summer league. You know right. what I mean? Kevin Knox was great, but he's not going to start just because of how we played in the summer league. You know, David Fiddell's not that kind of coach. I don't think any coach is. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that Vonley is definitely in there to push uh, Robinson. I think that's part of it. And I think he could also end up playing some minutes. You know, uh, I'm looking at his uh, game log last season uh, after he was traded to Chicago in uh, in February, and uh, he played uh, 30 minutes in a couple games, so he has played uh, significant minutes, 25, 27 minutes here, 26 minutes, so he played significant minutes in some games last year, I think towards the end of the year. He didn't play too much with Portland, I guess. No, not really. Um, but, yeah, he played uh, he's played significant minutes, but um, yeah, I think he's. Mo- I think you make a great point. I-, I think he was mostly brought in to push players. Uh, look, I know he's a younger guy, so Cherchak may not be the best comparison, but I don't see him being. Uh, I see him being kind of a motivator, like Jack was uh, to Robinson, and I-, I don't see Vonley being a factor in the rotation. And Knicks fans who are worried about Vonley taking minutes away from Robinson, well, if Robinson loses a spot to Noah Vonley, I mean, well, then we have problems because, I mean, you heard what I said, uh, Vonley 4.4 points per game and 4.7 rebounds per game. If he can't handle a little competition from Noah Vonley, then we have some problems. Right. You know, and I think that's all it is. It's just adding depth, a guy that you're not investing a lot into. To be honest, he could be a guy that doesn't really even finish the year with the team. I can see that being the case. You know, he'll get an opportunity. It's a team that's looking for young, talented players, so it's a good chance for him, a good opportunity for Vonley to kind of show something, and I'm sure he's going to get a look and get an opportunity to play probably early on. Uh, and if it don't work out, we're really not out of anything. So, you know, I've seen conversation about him, you know, some get excited anytime the Knicks make a move you know you get you get people that just think every move is going to make this team like a, a contender and by no chance is 4.4 points a game going to make us anywhere near a contender uh, so you always get chuckled and, and tickled at some overreactions from uh, some fans and but yes Chip I'm not lying to you there, there, there are some that think this is like a, a huge move you know people that just want to pretend like it's something more than what it is 
Uh, but again, it's just it, it's a why not thing. Why not look at somebody like I mentioned before? Trey Burke was the kind of same way. Nobody really wanted him. The Knicks gave him a shot, and he had to play in the G League. And then when he got the call up, he made the most of it to get an opportunity again this season to compete some minutes. So it's one of those things where you just keep bringing in young guys and see who can do what. And if they don't pan out, you didn't invest much in them, and you send them out the way. It's, it's that simple. Uh, so that's it, it, it's just a really simple move just to add some depth, add some competition. Uh, we are going to take a little break right now when we come back you know Przingis uh released a video talking about his rehab process his goals for himself uh in his NBA career and uh, that was released for the the player tribune uh so we will discuss that you'll actually hear it as well we'll play it um in the second segment and then you'll hear our thoughts on it so we'll do that in just a moment Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at at Chipper Murphy. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. That's right, because I, I have to admit it, you won't hear it, but we just we can laugh at me for a second. Uh, coming back from this break and recording, I just did my intro to like we're starting the podcast over, and, and that's right. This is this is the second segment. We already did that. Um, so yeah, it's been that kind of day for me, Chip. It's been crazy. It's been a week. It's been a really crazy week. I'm losing my mind slowly but surely. Um, but before we came back from this break or came to the second segment, I should say, uh, we talked about what's the second segment going to be. And Christoph Brzingis released a video to the Player Tribune talking about his rehab process, goals that he has for himself in his career. And um, we're going to give you an opportunity to hear what he had to say. The video is about three minutes long, and when we come back, we're going to touch some of the key points and uh, kind of discuss uh, what we we heard Brzingis say. I always say it kind of as a joke that, you know, that I have short memory and, 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 and champions have short memory, but... I don't worry about things too long after they happen. I try to move on, and, and this, it was similar with the injury. I've seen the play a thousand times. I've seen the video, and, and uh, I know exactly how it felt, and I'm not shying away from it. It's, I know what happened, so it's something that you know, I wasn't able to avoid, and, and it just happened. I mean, the, the scar is going to be there, but... It's more important that the scar is not up in here. So when you, when you get back out on the court, you don't even think about your knee. Main thing from the, in this injury, I would say, is just the mental part. That's why it's important to stay fresh up here and, uh, and not lose focus. And because when you play basketball, you work hard, you do your individual stuff, and then you go on the court and you play five on five. That's when, that's when us basketball players we enjoy the most. And here you don't have that. You just, you know, you're there by yourself every day. The main reason, you know, why, why I wanted to be here in Madrid was the, to be able to use the Real Madrid facilities, which are, you know, one of the best in the world, if not the best. You know, here we have everything, everything we need. You know, I have my, I have my family that's taking care of me. Um, I'm, I have a good team around me, and you know, obviously living here is, you know, I can't be complaining. It's all about balance, you know. I can I can be a soldier, and I've done that. I've been a soldier and and 
I just keep doing the work, keep doing the work, keep doing the work. And then at one point you just you just feel like you have no energy left. You're just killing yourself mentally and the mental part is so, so important. I implemented um, yoga a little bit. I just kind of wanted to d- disconnect the mind and, and be solely focused on, on what I need to do, all those postures and all that and, and just focus on the breathing. And, and that one hour after every time after I leave yoga, it's like, whew, like it's a it's a fresh beginning, you know. I have been connect, disconnected, like no phone, no 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 thinking about basketball or, or thinking about the injury, thinking about the leg. Um, it's just it's just yoga that I can't do. That's the main struggle for me. That you know I've been just going hard for too long, and then so it's all about balance. I've been learning that this uh, this rehab. It's all about balance, and then uh, that's when I can I can do the most work and, and make the most progress. If I'm 100% honest, I don't have any fears about the injury. And other than that, I'm not really worried about anything else right now, you know. I want to be the MVP of the, of the league one day. I want to be the defensive player of the year. All those things remain as my goals. If you have enough confidence in yourself and, and that you're going to work and you're going to you know, try to be the best player you can be, then, then why would you be afraid of the negativity or, or, or adversity, a better word? Short memory, short memory, and keep moving, keep, keep working, keep getting better, and that way the, the, the real moment of joy, you know, being back on the court, enjoying the game, will, will come sooner. All right, so that's Christopher Zingas. Again, that video was released to the Player Tribune, and he talked about it, quite a few things. I think the main point was the rehab process. And Chip, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of start with this. You know, the one thing that stood out to me was how he was talking about you know the rehab process and and, and more the fact of, of the mental side of it that he's going to have to uh, mentally put away the knee injury and kind of forget it, and he claims and he says that it's something that is not bothering him, that he, he's confident in his knee. And, Chip, I, I kind of, I, I, I think it's great, but I highly doubt that it is behind him. And I, it, I don't think it's going to get behind him until he plays. You know, if you ever had an injury, and I never suffered like an ACL injury or something, but, you know, any kind of injury I've had, I've broken some bones before playing basketball. Uh, and it, it, the first game back, I know, like, in your mind, you don't think about it, it's going to happen again. But when you actually step out on the court, that mental side does kick in. You're a little hesitant at first, and you don't really know why. And it kind of takes some time to jump back into it. So I, I know he's saying that the injury, the knee injury, is not... He, he's mentally past that, that he feels like it's not an issue. And I know, uh, you know, he's young, and I know these ACL injuries are very common nowadays, and guys come back from it, uh, you know, fairly quickly. And it's still, though, to me, I don't know if I can buy that he's mentally over it already. I think that's going to be more to when he's on the court for the first time. And, and I, you know, Chip, I want to get your opinion now on, on that matter, when you hear him say he's over it mentally, do you agree with me that, you know, it, it, expect to see him a little hesitant out there? And it, I don't think he is past it mentally. I don't think that happens until you step out on the floor. Yeah, I mean, that's what he has to say. 
the media, but uh, it's only human nature uh, that he's going to be hesitant about. You know, he's already hesitant getting down and banging with the trees and uh, absorbing contact on offense and sometimes on defense, too. But now when he's on offense, you got to wonder if he's going to go back to trying to become more of a jump shooter again. Is he going to shy away from contact and try and stay away from the post? Because uh, he's worried about reactivating his injury, at least at first. I mean, I like I said, it's human nature. You couldn't really blame him if he goes back to shooting more threes. But, um, it, look, it, I, I tend to side more with him because I think he's really, I think he's a really honest guy. I think he's a really straightforward guy. And I think that, um, look, he's, I think he's tough. So I think he's been preparing for this for a long time. And I think he, he wants to be the guy in New York, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's only human nature that he's going to be kind of, anxious to get on the court for the first time in a long time and with the first time he gets on there he, he's not going to want to you know like get into a scrum with Steven Adams you know what I mean like that's going to be something he shies away from right and let me ask you do you think you know and this is something I was thinking about today Thinking about the injury, I don't know why I'm just now thinking about this. You know, it, it's, I was driving home from work and I was, you know, thinking about the topics that we were going to talk about today, and I couldn't help but think like a few months ago I was not even worried at all that he want, there wasn't any doubt in my mind that I think he'll come back strong and and there won't be any issues. But then I started to think a little bit about Derek Rose. And what the, the the injuries that he had, what that's done to his career. Has that crossed your mind at all, Chip? Have you thought about that? What what if he's not the same coming back from this knee injury? Big Ben getting hurt always makes you worry. ACLs especially. It, it it's definitely troublesome that he's had this many injuries already. You know, he's young and he he's gotten hurt a lot. <laughs> For Cayuse is young, he, keep, he keeps getting hurt. But um, I'm not like on the team of people who are like already giving up on Porzingis and calling him soft. You know, there's those idiots on Twitter who are doing that. I'm not one of those guys. But it definitely it's it's definitely troubling. Like that he's you know he's 23 years old. This is fourth year in the league. He's already missed a bunch of games. You know he's. You know, he played 72 games his rookie year. He hasn't played 70 games since. He played, what was it? Yeah, 66 games in his second year. He played 48 last year. So, yeah, it's, and I, what do you say? I mean, there's, obviously there's been no return date set for this year. I mean, do you think he'll be back? Uh, I, I know at one point we heard, like, there was a rumor that he'd be back around Christmas. I mean, I think if he was going to be back that early, they would have announced it by now. Right. I don't see that happening. You know, it, it, I, it's, I have no idea. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those things where I don't even want him to come back this year. It, yeah, it, it's, I, I was going to say that, dude. I, it's almost like they're going to be so bad 
by the time he's healthy, why not just shut him down the whole year, right? Or, if not that, if you want him to play and if he wants to play, fine. Let him play, but restrict him. He may not like it, but there's no point of him playing 30 minutes a night. There's no point of that. He should be, you know, 15, 20 minutes just to get his running and just to get, you know, back into playing. And, and that's about it. And then eventually, we're not going to be in it. The only, you know, I know there's some predictions out on Ready Chip. I've seen predictions where they say the Knicks are going to make the playoffs. They're going to be the eighth seed. Oh, my God. I swear I've seen stuff like this. And I think it's because teams don't know which teams are going to benefit from LeBron James leaving or not. There's teams that have gotten weaker in the East, so you know some teams are going to bump up. Now, I've seen teams like Detroit behind the Knicks. Look, the Pistons are ten times better than us. They're not the greatest team, but they're better than us, okay? That's just that's the reality there. Yeah, they're going to be in the playoffs before the Knicks are. Big thing, too. Right. Yeah. And it, it's it, – I've seen things like that, but in my personal – what I what I feel with the Knicks are going to be this year is that they're not going to be in the playoff picture. So by the end of the season, maybe the last two weeks, there's no point of playing them. There's no point of risking that injury, and you're going to have to shut them down. Kind of like what the Knicks did with Carmelo Anthony a few years ago. If you want to showcase a little bit of them, just to see, okay, he's back. You know, do you get that little like, hey guys, look, he's he's healthy, he's fine. You may have to do that to attract some of these free agents because he is the selling point. Now, if he sits out all year. It's kind of hard to sell that, and I get that. So maybe a, a minute restriction type thing, and at a certain point, you got to cut them. Maybe 25 minutes, you know, eventually to work them out, and then the last few weeks of the season, you, you let them sit. That's the smartest thing for them. And, and another thing I want to touch on, you kind of just said it, that there's people that call him soft. That's ridiculous. That is just flat-out ridiculous because here's the thing. There's two that, to me, that soft is somebody like kind of what Kawhi Leonard just did. Didn't want to play. Didn't want to play. Team doctor said he could play, but yet he's, he had this injury and went hiding in New York. Okay? That's soft. What Kevin Durant did to join the Golden State Warriors, that's soft. Don't say Przingis is soft. If you want to say anything, if anything, I can tolerate if you say Przingis is fragile. At this point, I can accept that because there are plenty of players who are fragile. Doesn't mean they're soft. Doesn't mean they're not any good. Anthony Davis is fragile. Kyle Lowry is fragile. Kevin Love is fragile. Don't say that Brzingis is soft. There's two different things. That is ridiculous. And I'm glad you said that, Chip, because I've seen that a lot too. I haven't really talked about that before. But that's something else that I've been thinking about. It's the wrong thing to say about Brzingis. He is not soft. He, he has shown that. He's, he may be fragile. He has an injury pass. That is not the same as soft. Just wanted to get that off my chest. Now, another main point to this video is how he talked about his goals. Uh, he wants to be MVP of the league. He wants to be Defensive Player of the Year. Chip, in your opinion... Which one do you think happens first? Can he get both, or or which one would you think would happen first, MVP or Defensive Player of the Year? I think he can get both, okay, for sure. But uh, Defensive Player of the Year would happen first because MVP is going to be very difficult. With he's competing with guys like, you know, obviously LeBron, uh, Harden, uh, Giannis, Anthony Davis. 
uh, now probably Kawhi, uh, Dane Lillard, um, all these elite players, James Harden, Russ, and they're all on better teams than him. So uh, you can win Defensive Player of the Year when you're not on a great team. Right. You typically need to be on a great team to win uh, MVP. I mean, Russell Westbrook was the exception, but he had to do something extraordinary to uh, win. So uh, Chris Osborne can just have a dominant defensive year and win defensive player of the year. But but he's not going to win MVP anytime soon because that can be on a great team anytime soon. Right, and I agree with you right there. I think... You know, if he's ever going to become an MVP player, first off, he's got to stop settling for jump shots. You're, you're not going to win an MVP if all you could do is shoot the basketball outside. You're not. You're not. And, and, and you could say, oh, Stephen Curry. Well, Brzingis is not a sharpshooter like Stephen Curry. Nobody is. That's just the honest truth. Now, can Brzingis shoot the ball? Obviously, yeah, but he's not Stephen Curry. So, no, you cannot win the MVP just being a shooter. Brzingis has got to develop a game back to the, with his back to the basket. And he's got to stop. You know, we've we seen last year at times where he would just get a little contact and he would start flailing. He needs to get the Camelo Anthony uh, mindset out of his mind. Uh, we don't we don't need the, the whole dramatic flopping, pretending like he got hit type thing. I don't, no, he needs to start going up strong if that's going to happen, if he's going to be an MVP. He has the talent. So I certainly see that it, it's a possibility. And like you just said, it's not going to be like next year or the year before or the year after, I should say, it, it, it's something that could develop in the next few years. Certainly, I think he has that kind of talent. But, you know, I, I think defensive player of the year, Chip, he was he was the leader in blocks per game before he got hurt. You know, that guy, he's an intimidating figure in the paint. He plays with a lot of energy. He, he's, yeah, he puts forth the effort. Uh, yeah, he can be a defensive player. Uh, player of the year candidate i'll tell you what mitchell robinson looks like he could be a defensive player of the year candidate the way he was blocking shots and i know it's summer league you don't want to overreact but i'm just saying you know i like the future there but the rim protection the knicks got with mitchell robinson and Przingis playing together um so if i said one of the two i think it's definitely defensive player of the year that would uh that would come first uh but we are going to wrap up this second segment and when we come back it's going to be our eighth overall selection for our all-team list so you don't want to miss it you want to find out who we pick that's coming up just after this break hi everybody matt castillo here writer at elitesports.com and co-host of the next state of mind podcast just wanted to take this time to thank the fans and remind listeners to follow our social media pages you can find us on twitter at nyksom podcast or on our facebook page at the next state of mind podcast Come be a part of the discussion. We want to hear from you and talk about the Knicks. Now, everybody, final segment here of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. And, you know, we've been doing this the last few weeks, getting our top ten Knicks of all time based on our opinion. Uh, and, again, this is a great segment opportunity. I know everybody kind of has their own top ten. I know mine last week could be a little controversial because some probably would think that Carmelo Anthony on my list should be a little bit uh, higher down on my list. Uh, I put him at nine. Uh, Chip, you picked Dick Barnett. And uh, in the first week, we both agreed with our 10th. We put uh, Allen Houston as our pick. So now it is time to reveal who our eighth guy on our list is. And Chip, who did you pick and why? I picked Carmelo Anthony this week. Okay. He's my number eight player. 
Um, you know, it's about uh, who is the greatest niche. Right. And not who is the greatest player, you know. Uh, and Carmelo is an incredible player going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm looking at basketball reference right now, as I always do during the podcast. Right now, he's 19th all-time among uh, NBA in total points. Uh, in terms of the Knicks, he is 7th all-time in points behind uh, some other greats who will be coming up, I'm sure, for both of us And uh, as the podcast goes on. Um, but he's just he didn't get it done when it mattered for us Knicks fans, and that was in the postseason. And we can blame the front office and bring head coaching and as much as we want, but you know, uh, and it was atrocious. The teams, uh, a lot of the teams that were put around him, but look, Carmelo was a fantastic player, but you know, seven seasons and he won, he was here for seven seasons and he won one playoff series. That's the bottom line. That's tough. Carmelo's legacy will be remembered that way in New York. Seven seasons and one, he won one playoff series. Right. So uh, he gave us a lot of, of fun memories, but he, he can't be left off this list. No, yeah, no. Because he was, he was so good, scored so many points. But um, I had to, I went back and forth with, uh, last week with him and Dick Barnett because, like I said last week, Barnett needs to be on. Even though I never saw him play, he won a championship, so I need to put him on there. Um, and I went back and forth with putting Mello at the same spot you did at number nine. Right. And ultimately I put Mello here because of it, kind of a selfish thing. I, I love, Mello gave me some of the most exciting moments. You know, I, it was fun. It was fun to watch Mellow, right up until it wasn't. You know? Right, right. <laughs> that was Mellow's. That was Mellow's downfall. But yeah, I, I put Mellow at eight. Um, he, the thing is, you know, if if a couple things went a different way, he could have been a lot higher. Maybe I'm not saying he could have been number one, but he could have been in the top three, at least in the top five. But um, I'm sure when he was traded here in 2011, he thought there's no way I'm going down at the eighth best Nick of all time. He thought he was going to be mentioned uh, in the same sentence as Clyde and Willis and Bernard and Patrick and Pearl, and it ain't happening, you know? So right. it'll never happen. Right. And... You know, it's not, but it's not his fault. Management was incompetent, and it's not his fault. Amari got hurt, and you know, I, yeah. But you know, it, but uh, as his haters will be quick to point out, it is his fault that he forced that trade from Denver. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's Camelo Anthony absolutely on the list, and obviously, I took him last week, and I can't disagree with you that I know me and you we're actually going to swap I, I took Dick Barnett this week but again I just want to put why you know I, I think Carmelo Anthony is a better player 
you know, but again, I think the question is the greatest Knicks. And, and I can certainly understand why you put uh, Carmelo Anthony before Barnett. I, I completely understand that. But the reason why I didn't is because the negatives. It, it, there was a lot towards the end. Beginning of it, it was great. And you're right. There were plenty of great memories that Carmelo Anthony provided and gave us you know, our star player. We were on national television because of Carmelo Anthony. Christmas games we got because of Carmelo Anthony. That's just the honest truth. So he was a big part of it. But towards the end, yes, yes, also, as you pointed out, not all of it was his fault, but it did turn sour, and it turned bad, and it turned ugly. And because of that, I kind of did, I guess, knock him up on my list a little bit. And I went with Dick Barnett with the championships that he won, played a role in that team. You know, I, I think when he came into the league and was playing with the Lakers early on, guy that averaged about 18 points a game in the 65-66 season for the Knicks. Uh, his first season with the Knicks, he averaged 23 points a game. You know, the year that we won uh, the championship, he averaged 14, uh, uh, 14.9 points a game. And I think the thing about him and that team was they were so unselfish. That this guy, you know, he showed he can score 20 points a game. He could put up the same kind of numbers of, of Carmelo Anthony if he absolutely wanted to. It was just uh, the team had so much talent around it. And I understand Carmelo Anthony did not quite have that. So you can say, you know, uh, if Carmelo Anthony had that kind of talent, would he would he be in the same kind of situation? And I get having talent helps. But I, I just think Dick Bardet could have played a bigger role. It, 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 same numbers as Carmelo Anthony if there wasn't so many talented players on that team, and of course he won the championship. Yeah, that championship helped us out. I know in the the next championship, the Knicks won. He only averaged three point eight points a game. He only played uh, fifty one games that year, and then uh, in seventy four, when his career ended, he was thirty seven years old. Uh, only played in five games, so some injuries, and, and did not play a, a big role with the team. Really, in that that second championship that that group won, and he was up there in age. He was thirty six years old. You know, he went from 1971 to 72 where he played 28 minutes a game to just 10 so you know old age caught up to him uh but i I think absolutely both these guys deserve to be on the list nine and eight to me it can go either way it can go either way so uh, you know i've kind of struggled with it but in the end i kind of went with him because he has the championships at the end of the day Carmelo anthony doesn't and things got sour for him so that that's basically my decision behind it Uh, With that being said, though, we are going to wrap up the show for this week, and we'll be back next week for another episode of the Next State of Mind podcast.